Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by Daryl Reed. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. So uh, just on the provision thing, uh, next week we'll also take some time to give some feedback on the Maplanka community that we've been uh, reaching out to and, and, and helping to feed and take food parcels to. And uh, yeah, just amazing things happening. We, we're seeing people get healed every Friday that we go in. Uh, numerous, numerous salvations and yeah, just really, really good things. So thank you guys in advance already for all the generosity that you've given towards that, that outreach. And uh, like I mentioned, next week we'll give you guys some more uh, comprehensive feedback on that. Reminder, though, if you want to contribute clothes, uh, they really are so appreciative for any clothes that you guys don't need anymore. Uh, You can just drop them off at the church office any time in the week, and uh, we'll then get them through to them on, on a Friday morning. So again, John is on, on leave. He, he went from preaching one sermon a week to preaching uh, six sermons uh, a week, because <laughs> now he does a daily inspiration every morning, as well as then obviously a Sunday. But yeah, worked really, really hard during lockdown, and so he's just uh, taking a little bit of a breather down at the coast. So yeah, pray for them that they already encountered the Lord's peace, goodness, kindness, love to them, and just have a really restful time, but they'll be back here with us uh, next week, Sunday. So I get to share with us this morning, and I'm going to be talking about burning Bridges. That's what we're talking about this morning. We're going to burn some bridges, hopefully. Uh, so I'm in the book of Kings, First Kings, and then Second Kings. If you've got your Bible, uh, you can open up to First Kings chapter 19. We're going to read a passage over there, and then we'll hop over to Second Kings and uh, and read a, a few more little little passages. So the first passage we're going to read, the context here is Elijah, uh, the prophet. Uh, the Lord has been speaking to him, and he's gone through this really interesting journey with the Lord leading up to this until the Lord gives him some instructions about who to go and anoint as, as king and to anoint as uh, the, the person who will take on his mantle. So we pick it up here in 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, we're going to read from verse 19 on to verse 21. It says, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left the, his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. We'll stop over there. I just find this such a fascinating passage of Scripture as uh, Elijah comes, throws his cloak around him, and, and in that moment, obviously, uh, the, the anointing, the presence, something happens that Elisha knows, I need to, I need to abandon everything I'm I know I need to stop farming and I need to go follow, follow this man. And so <laughs> he does kind of like what the disciples did when, when they're out fishing and Jesus calls them. They abandon everything and they just go after Jesus. But, but Elisha does it so wholeheartedly that he, he slaughters the oxen. He burns the plowing equipment to then cook the meat. They have a, a lakakruat braai, a big, 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 big celebration. And that's the end of his farming. Off he goes and, and follows, uh, follows Elijah. So you know the saying, uh, don't burn your bridges? 
Elisha burnt his bridges. He had nowhere to go back. So this saying, don't burn your bridges, you know where it comes from? So it actually comes from uh, wartime. Back in like the Roman Empire, what would happen, they'd be going on a crusade and they'd have to cross over a river and they'd cross over by boats or if there was a bridge, they'd cross over, by, they'd cross over the bridge to get to the other side. And occasionally what would happen was the commander of the army would say, burn the boats, meaning there's no retreating, we cannot go back. Our only option is to go forward to face the enemy who we're going to go and you know, take on their, their land or go and fight. There's no backing out of this. We've burnt our boats. There's only one way, and that way, well, there's two outcomes. Either we're going to die fighting or we're going to be victorious. And so they, the commanders would do that so that the, the army, the military, would be so passionate because they know if we do not win this, there's no other option. There's no plan B. We, we die or we win. That's it. And so that's where the saying comes from, don't burn your bridges. Elisha burnt his bridges. <laughs> he said, there's no plan B. I'm going to follow Elijah, and uh, I'm giving up everything that I've known up until this point to go and follow this man. I think sometimes in our, our modern world, uh, out of wisdom, we, we speak about don't burn, you know, don't burn your bridges, and, and we like to have options I mean, come on, you just need to be invited to any kind of an event or something, and you either don't RSVP or you leave it till the very, 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 very last minute, because there might be something better that, 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 that you know, comes up before that, uh, that party or whatever. Come on, don't tell me I'm the only one who's done that. <laughs> you know, we love having multiple options in everything when it comes to life, um, we always want to plan B, C, D, E, F, and G. And, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes I think this thought process or this culture of having these multiple options creeps into our relationship and our, our walk with the Lord. And when it comes to our walk with the Lord, I think sometimes some of us, we need to burn some bridges. We, we need to reach a, a point in our lives where we say, I cannot go back there anymore. I'm going to cross over. And once I'm over, I'm burning that bridge because I'm not going back to that old way of living. I'm not going back to that old lifestyle. I'm not going back to that old thing that used to hold me back or prevent me from moving forward with the Lord. I'm going to burn this bridge. I think some of us need to burn some bridges this morning. You know, sometimes I think we treat our walk with the Lord like we, we treat a diet, you know, an eating plan. I'm not a fan of diets at all. My, my, my background in, in university was I studied kind of sports science, so it's physical health and sports and nutrition and all these things. And uh, I'm just not a fan of, of diets because it's, it's just not good. I'm, I'm a fan of a healthy lifestyle. That, that's what I'm a fan of. Um, you know, with diets, there's so many. I mean, you can Google and read on diets for the rest of your life. There's so many different diets and fads out there. But a lot of the diets, they have this kind of, you know, six days a week be good, and then on the seventh day you can cheat. And I think we take this kind of mindset into our faith and into our journey with the Lord. You know, but God, you know, I've been good for the, the last six days. I haven't done this, or I haven't slipped in that area, or I've, I've, I've been holy and pure, and I've been, I've been seeking, I've been praying, I've been reading for the last six days, but it's the day seven now, and I just, I just need a, a cheat day. And... Uh, a sin day. <laughs> and I think subconsciously this thought process sometimes gets into our thinking and we allow these uh, lifestyle culture things like diets to come and, come and influence our, our journey and our faith and our walk with the Lord. 
Uh, we, we had our pre-marriage course that we finished yesterday with uh, five engaged couples in the congregation. Isn't that so exciting? What an exciting part of life, being engaged and, and getting, getting ready to get married and uh, an engagement yesterday as well. So congratulations to the, the Chubb family on engagement happened, happened yesterday. Anyway, we, we teach our couples that are engaged a really, really high level of commitment. As all of you who are married know, any good and healthy marriage is based on a solid commitment, commitment to the Lord and a commitment to one another. And so we teach the couples in the pre-marriage course, you need to be 100% committed to your spouse-to-be. 364 days of the year, just be 100% committed. One day a year, it's okay. You don't have to be committed. You can, you know, you can have a cheat day. Come on, we, we don't view marriage like that at all, do we? You know, once you've said I do, you've said I do. You're committed for the rest of your life, every single day of your life. There is no cheat day. I think, though, when it comes to our walk with the Lord and our, our, our pursuit of Him and our, our holiness, I think we sometimes don't have that same level of commitment and following, uh, you know, 365 days a year, no cheat days allowed. <laughs> I think let's follow the Lord the same way that we, we understand marriage in terms of the, the godly sense of, of marriage. You know, the, I, the Lord I felt in this lockdown has been calling us to, to greater dimensions of being set apart. We've been set apart because of the, the law and the government and the, the, the regulations. But I think in this time, the Lord has been calling us to also be set apart. Not set apart from one another, but to set, be set apart for Him. To be holy for Him. I think there's an invitation that the Lord is, is giving. And in this time of, of quietness or of being... Um, in lockdown, the Lord is inviting us into greater dimensions of holiness. In uh, Psalm chapter 4, verse 3, it says, But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call him. The Lord has set us apart. As soon as we say yes to him, we become set apart. He wants us to be holy like he is holy. First Peter chapter 1, verse 15, verse 16, it says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your, con in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Uh, this holy that he's talking about, it's about being set apart for God. It's about burning that bridge that when you cross over and you say yes and you walk over into a relationship with him, that, that you burn any, any option to, to go back to where you were before. You burn that bridge and you say, I'm going to live a life of holiness now, of purity. So you can flip over in your Bible to 2 Kings, just uh, about three or four chapters later, 2 Kings chapter 2, and we're going to read it uh, from verse 9 to verse 15. So we've read the part where Elijah comes and, and calls Elisha, and Elisha burns his bridges, and uh, his plowing equipment too has a, a lack of bry. And, uh, and now we're going to read the part where this transition takes place. And I know it's only three chapters later, but, but biblical scholars reckon it's somewhere between six and eight years that Elisha has served Elijah, has uh, washed his hands, been his, his servant, helping him with whatever it was that, that he needed. He's been being discipled, as uh, Brahm was sharing earlier. He was being mentored uh, for, for about six to eight years. So we pick it up here in 2 Kings uh, chapter 2, verse 9. It says, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. 
As they are walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Who else wants to exit this earth like that? (laughs) Come on, pick me. (laughs) Wow. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him when he went back and stood. Sorry. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed down to the ground before him. So just to give a bit more context over here, what happened was when Elijah and Elisha crossed over for the first time, Elijah took his cloak, struck the water, and the waters parted. They crossed over. Uh, Now once they're on the other side of the Jordan River, um, now this is when the Lord takes Elijah up. Uh, The chariots and the fire and the wind come, and they separate the two of them. And Elisha still manages to somehow not get distracted with the fireworks display, but to keep his eyes on Elijah because that was the condition. You have to see me when I go. And so Elijah, Elisha sees him and, uh, and, and up he goes. And so now this cloak falls. Some of your translations might say mantle. Um, and so, I mean, I, I just imagine what's going on in Elisha's mind right now. He's just had this crazy weird thing happen. Uh, I mean, he was probably quite familiar with weird things because uh, a whole bunch of weird things happened in, in their day. And uh, as he's kind of processing all of this stuff, I I can only imagine he must be thinking, well, did I get it? Did I get the double portion? Did did I do what I needed to do? Because there's no sign in the scriptures of, yes, you've got it. The only thing that happens is Elijah's cloak falls. And so Elisha tears his clothes on a morning and then goes and picks up the cloak that Elijah was wearing. He now has to go back. And I, I, I just imagine what's going on in his mind. And so he picks up, as he gets to the river again, he picks up the, well, he's carrying the, the cloak that Elijah wore. And I, I think he does what he'd seen his, his mentor do. Takes the cloak, strikes the water. And it says, um, it's verse 13 or 14, I think it is. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? takes the cloak that had fallen from Elijah, struck the water with it, and he says, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And I don't think he's like questioning God. I think this is a statement of faith, and it's also a statement of, I'm a little bit unsure, God, what's going on and where are you? (laughs) Help me in this situation. I think it's this tension that a lot of us face all the time. You know, I, I have faith and I believe, but there's still this little bit of doubt. God, God, where are you? God, are you with me? God, have you got this? Uh, have you abandoned me? What, what's going on here, God? And so I think there's this bit of uh, a battle internally going on with Elisha in this moment. God, where are you? And then whew, the waters start to part. <laughs> I think that was the moment when Elisha realized, I have received something. 
because there's not really any record of Elisha doing any miracles like this prior to that moment when he takes Elijah's cloak and strikes the water. You see, I think it's in that moment that he activates his faith, that he engages his faith. It's in that moment that I think the double portion really manifests in his life. That's at least what I think. The scriptures are not very clear as to when it happened, but there's no sign of it happening any time before this miracle takes place. I think sometimes we have to engage our faith to receive what the Lord is giving us. I think the Lord is depositing gifts. I think he's depositing uh, impartations, anointings, all sorts of things. As we set ourselves apart, as we pursue him and walk a life of holiness, God is giving gifts in these days. And I think, what are we doing with them? Are we engaging our faith? Are we taking the cloak and striking the water? Are we doing something with what God is giving us? Because it's only as we engage our faith and trust in Him and start to do something that we then, I think, see the breakthroughs come, that we then start to see God working miraculously and supernaturally on our behalf. And so my encouragement to us is let's engage our faith. God is doing things in these days, but we need to engage our faith. We need to do something. Uh, I think too often we, we ask God for something and then we wait and we, we expect some kind of a supernatural sign writing on the wall, you now have the double portion, proceed. <laughs> it's like that didn't happen. Uh, he, he's, he's kind of questioning, what's going on here? God, where are you? And as he does something, then the breakthrough comes. We can't sit back and, and wait for God to write on the wall when he's given you what you're asking for. I think oftentimes impartation and gifts from the Lord come in the form of a seed, and it's then up to us to then nurture, look after, invest, and continue to uh, go after the very thing that God has given you and to start to activate it. I mean, if you're, you're saying, God, I want to speak in tongues, and you've never done it before, then you need to start to do something. You need to engage your faith, and you need to open your mouth and speak. If you're saying, God, I want to heal the sick, and, and God, give me a, a, a healing a gifting, you, you need to then go and pray for the sick people. And that's when you'll realize, oh, God's starting to do something. I'm not one person. You need to go pray for a couple hundred people as you engage your faith and exercise and trust the Lord to, to, to manifest that gift fully in your life. If you want to um, have a gift of, of, of prophetic and words of knowledge, you need to ask the Lord for it and then engage your faith and start to do something. Start to step out and take risks and, and try to prophesy over people. Maybe just give them a disclaimer and say, hey, I'm new to this, I'm, I'm new to this gift called prophecy and I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm just practicing. So, so just be a little bit gracious towards me as I practice. If you're okay to be a guinea pig and let me practice on you. Anyway, the point being, we need to engage our faith and do something with what, with what God is giving us. I think probably one of the biggest struggles that we have as a Western church is we don't do anything. And, and, and God's saying, do something. Engage your faith. The, the double portion is on you. The year of 2020, double portion, it's on you. You've got it. You've received it. But are you engaging your faith to access it? What would have happened if, if Elijah didn't take the cloak and strike the water? Would he have just stayed where he was? I don't know. Maybe one day when we're in heaven, we can ask how the story might have unfolded had that happened. God's so gracious and kind and just, he, he would have probably never let that happen. But I think we've got to ask ourselves, what would happen if I don't and what could happen if I do? 
And then once you've asked yourself about what might not happen, then burn that bridge <laughs> so you can't go back there and move forward. Double portion is here for us. Lord, show us how we need to engage our faith to receive and walk in what you're depositing in our lives. I mean, I've been reading a little bit in, in the book of Second Kings. There's so many accounts, and maybe we'll have some time later on to, to go into some other accounts, where things just don't happen as the individual expected God to do it. You know, the individual thought God would do A, B, C, and, and God did X, Y, Z. <laughs> and, and so often we need to turn off our brain that thinks God is going to give me a double portion in this way, A, B, C, when actually God is wanting to do something completely opposite, X, Y, Z, whatever it might be. God, help us to engage our spirit man to see what you're doing, to hear what you're doing, to follow you. And that will almost sometimes turn off our natural senses. Uh, I'm not saying turn them off always, but sometimes it becomes such an obstacle because we overanalyze and we start to think and overthink and overanalyze what God is doing and how he might and how... Sometimes we just need to say, in your spirit, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? That my, my brain can just stop thinking what I think should happen and let God do what needs to happen. So the next passage, in that moment when Elijah strikes the water, there's a company of prophets, because there's a whole company, that is a school of prophets. Um, and so the company of prophets from a distance is watching and observing. And that kind of, I think, questioning, you know, is Elisha going to get the mantle? Is it going to work? Isn't it going to work? What's going to go on? And it's, again, in that moment that Elisha strikes the water and the waters part, that the company of prophets see, and they then recognize, wow, the, the, the spirit of Elijah, the, the mantle of Elijah is now on Elisha, and they then respond, go down, bow down to him, and, and kind of basically acknowledge him as the, the, the leader of the company of prophets. Straight after that then, pretty much, uh, the, you can go to Second Kings chapter 19. There's a few verses where um, the, the company of prophets say, you know, has Elijah really gone up to heaven? Maybe the Lord took him and put him on another mountain. We've got a group of 50 men. Can we send them? And Elisha says, no, he's with the Lord, but they keep pushing. And so eventually Elisha says, fine, go and do it, basically. And anyway, they come back. They don't find him because he's, he's in heaven uh, with, with the Lord. And so we pick it up here in Second Kings 2 verse 19. So the people of the city said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Uh, they're in Jericho. Uh, Bring me a new bowl, he said, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it, saying, This is what the Lord says. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained pure to this day, according to the word Elisha had spoken. Wow. So this is now the first miracle that Elisha is doing, other than when the waters parted with Elijah's uh, cloak. And uh, obviously the company of prophets have seen that the anointing is on him, and so they ask him, you know, this is a good place, this is a good land, um, but the water is not so good. He says, bring me a new bowl, put some salt in it, goes to the water, throws in the salt and declares healing to the water and to this day 
the water is still, still whole. A couple of things in, in here for us. I mean, what incredible faith Elisha is demonstrating. I mean, he's just a man of absolute profound faith. He burns bridges wherever he goes. <laughs> There's only one option for him, and that's forward with the Lord. Starts right from the very moment that he gets called, that he, he burns his plowing equipment, slaughters his cattle, his oxen, and follows. Uh, and now in this moment, he, he just does this prophetic action that, that just releases this powerful healing into the water. I mean, I'd love to again get into the mind of Elisha and figure out how did God speak to him before? Like, how was God communicating to him? It doesn't say there was an angel of the Lord or it doesn't say that God spoke in this way or that way. I'd love to know how it was that God was speaking to him. But obviously, somehow, he was hearing from the Lord as he's figuring out this, this journey of, of, of now being this anointed prophet. But I wonder how much doubt there was. I don't know. He seemed pretty, pretty confident. He seemed pretty sure of his faith. He seemed pretty sure that what he sensed to do was the right thing to do, and, and he went and did it. I think we can learn from Elisha's faith, such a strong conviction and faith to follow the Lord. So I think a couple of things for us here in South Africa. God, our, our land is a beautiful land. It's a good position. It's a productive productive place. There's so much opportunity here, but it's almost like the water is a little bit unproductive. When I speak of water, I'm not speaking of the natural water. I'm speaking of the stuff happening in, in the spiritual realms in our, in our nation, the, 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 the corruption and the different things. It's like there's so much opportunity, but, but God, the, the water's just not quite right. And I felt as I was going through this that the Lord is saying to us, that as we engage our faith, as we engage with him, as we burn our bridges, as we go forward, that he's healing our land. That he's giving salt for the water to heal our land. He says, we are the salt of the earth. What good is salt if it's just stuck in the container or if it's wasted on the ground? No, the salt needs to be in the food. The salt needs to be there, making the difference that's bringing the flavor, that's preserving, that's impacting the world. And, and God is saying to us, we are the salt in this nation, and through the salt in this nation, you and me, he's bringing healing. Through the believers in our nation, he's bringing healing and restoration. But do we believe it? Are we like Elijah who had such a conviction of faith that as he took this new bowl, puts salt in it and throws it in, that a transformation is going to take place in that moment and that the water will be healed? Do we believe that as we engage with the Lord and as we are the salt of the earth, that, that the Holy Spirit is actually truly in you and working through you? Do you believe that or do you doubt that, that, that God can actually use you? We need faith like Elisha had, that God, you are using me powerfully and, and the way that you're using me, we're bringing change and transformation to our nation. You're bringing change and transformation to your school, to your workplace, to your family, to the shopping mall that you go to, to your neighborhood. We're the salt and light of the earth. We're the ones bringing the solutions to those unproductive business ventures, to those unproductive uh, sales lines, to those unproductive whatever it is, fill in the gap. I mean, who hasn't gone through some kind of a, a challenging time through this, this COVID lockdown? We're the answer to bring the 
unproductive situations to be productive situations. God has given you the solution and we need to engage our faith to figure out what that looks like in your situation. Elisha figured it was to put some salt in a new bowl, new bowl throw it in the water and everything would be sorted. How he did that, I, I don't know. <laughs> but Holy Spirit, speak to us that we will have those same kind of uh, you know, pictures or, or, or that you'll speak to us in such profound ways that we will know this is what we need to do. And even if we're a little bit unsure, step out and take a risk. I think that's what faith is. I don't think we're ever 100% certain of this is exactly what's happening in this moment. I would imagine that Elisha had faith, but there was possibly some questioning in his mind. What if this doesn't work? But he went ahead, he did it. He burnt his bridge. Let me just read you Mark 2, verse 22. It's another good double portion verse. Mark 2, verse 22. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. I think there's almost a prophetic connection between these two, that Elisha takes a new bowl to put salt in it, because God's doing a new thing as he's bringing restoration to that water. God's pouring out new things in us, on us, through us. And are we ready with a new wineskin to receive what he's doing? so that the wine skin won't burst and the, the wine and the skin gets, gets wasted. Just before we close, I'll just share a, a funny passage of Scripture that's a little bit scary as well. So, so just before this story, um, or it's just after, I'm not sure exactly where, but around these verses, there's a, a bunch of, of, of young, young guys and they see Elisha walking and he was an anointed man like me like Rob, he was bald. <laughs> and these people start teasing him. Hey, baldy, no, 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 hey, baldy. <laughs> the scripture says, Elisha looks at them, calls down a curse on them. Two bears come out of the woods and maul 42 of them. So next time you think of teasing a bald man, yeah, just be careful. He might turn around and call a curse on you. A bear might come out of nowhere and... It's the end of your days. So don't tease bald men and recognize the anointing of the Lord on bald men. <laughs> it really happened, but I, I'm just having some fun with that. Yeah. We're the soul of the earth. God wants to use us to bring change and transformation. And we just need to engage. God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you've put before me? How can I bring change and transformation in this situation? And I think probably the, the biggest thing for some of you, depending on how your, your, your brain operates, don't get stuck in analysis paralysis where you overanalyze and think, is it this, is it this, is it this? And you've got 743 options of what it might be. Just whatever you sense God is doing, go for it. Do something. Engage your faith. God is so kind and gracious. I think even sometimes when we get it wrong, He's so gracious that He will back what you're saying and what you're doing, even if you missed what He was saying. So just do something. You guys can stand. We're going to pray.
Thank you, Lord, that you've made us the salt of the earth. Thank you that you've given us every ingredient, everything we need to bring unproductive things to be productive. That you've given us everything we need to, to take the water that was spoilt and causing death and destruction and to transition it and transform it to bring life, hope, and faith in you, God. Lord, help us in every area of our lives to bring about that transformation, that we will bring change, that we will be the hope of our nation because you are inside of us. Thank you, Father God. Lord, I ask that you will stir our hearts with such a faith, such a holiness, such a pursuit of you, that, Lord, we'll burn our bridges. That in some areas of our lives where we keep going back to the old and, and, and God doesn't want you to go there anymore, that you will burn those bridges. So let's just take a moment right now. If, if there's a bridge going back to the, the old way of life that you used to live or uh, a, a, a bridge that takes you back to a, a path of sin or whatever it is, if there's something that the Lord's speaking to you right now, then let's just, let's just prophetically burn that bridge. Holy Spirit, will you do that? Will you speak to us? And if there's bridges in our lives that we, we shouldn't be going back on, where we've, we've, we've put in option B, C, D, E, F, and G, and we, we don't need any of those options because all we need is you, help us to burn those bridges, God. Help us to burn those bridges. Thank you, Lord, that it is wise also sometimes to have multiple options. But when it comes to our faith in you, help us to be so set on following you that we will remove any other hindrance or option to go anywhere other than following you. Thank you, Lord, that you're setting us apart. You gave us a lockdown where we had to be set apart. But in this time, you're calling us to be set apart for you. You're calling us to be holy and pure like you are holy. Thank you that you give us the grace and the enabling to be holy and pure. Thank you that as we grow in, in holiness and maturity that you, you, you use us even more to be the salt and light of this earth. Lord, help us to walk in great faith like Elisha did, that we will see profound miracles like he did, that we will see waters move, that we will see water healed, that we will see your presence come and heal our nation. Lord, start in the small areas. Start with our families. Start with our neighborhoods. Start in our schools, in our universities, in the business that you work, the, the people who you have influence over. Lord, start in those areas that will bring transformation in life. So Lord, may your grace be upon each one of us. Thank you for faith and for gifts that you're depositing even right now. Lord, thank you for your protection that is with us. Thank you for your presence that is with us. As we go from this place, Lord, thank you that you are with us and that you speak to us this week as we engage our faith that we will see you move powerfully. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just as, I was, as I was praying there, I just really felt if, if you're looking for a job, I, I felt that breakthrough is coming and just engage your faith. God is going to bring breakthrough. Even as we heard those testimonies of, of breakthrough coming. Yeah, Lord, we just pray for anyone looking for work that breakthrough will come in these days, that they will find a job that's better than the job that they had before. Thank you that you're the God of breakthrough and you're bringing breakthrough. Amen.
So just before we close, uh, I just want to give an invitation. If you've never opened up your heart to follow Jesus, you've never received the free gift of eternal life of salvation, God is so good. As the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not by your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You know, in our Christian faith, there's no way that you can get saved by your own works or your own doing. It's only Jesus and what he did for us, his grace that enables us to receive the gift of eternal life. If you're watching at home, if you're in the auditorium yet today, you've never opened up your heart to Jesus. I want to tell you that there's no works that you can do to earn your salvation. It is impossible. Every other religion on the face of the earth is based upon works and upon you doing the right thing, abiding by all the laws and regulations. Christianity is not about that at all. It's about receiving a gift. It's about receiving a gift of eternal life. If you've never opened up your heart to receive this gift that you cannot do by your own works, it's just a matter of saying, God, I acknowledge you as King, as Lord. I need forgiveness because I'm not a perfect person. I'm not perfectly holy. I make mistakes. Will you come and make me pure and holy? Forgive me of my sins and let me receive this gift of eternal life. If that's you, uh, Brahm will be up front of you. I'd love to pray with you. If you're watching online, then uh, send us a message. Go onto our website. We would love to reach out with you and, uh, and pray with you and help you to receive this free gift of eternal life. Otherwise, God bless you guys. John, although he's at the beach, he's amazing. Two places at once. He'll be on your screens at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning for some daily inspiration and prayer. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you soon.